You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name's Janine Bitson, and we're so grateful that you've joined us this morning. Yep, and I'm Brad Gray. Happy to be with you, Janine, this morning. And I'm also happy to be now joined by uh, Suzanne Lott from the Diocese of Duluth. Good morning to you, Suzanne. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Well, as we're getting started here, could we uh, could we have you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm from Duluth. I've been grew up here, born here. Um, I have my my both of my parents are here, and um, I have one older sister in Duluth, and then I have a younger sister who lives with her husband and two boys in Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, and I work full-time for a few parishes nearby, and then also for our Catholic cemetery in Duluth. Um, I'm also the director of religious education for a small parish in Proctor, Minnesota. Great. Wow, you uh, have a full plate. <laughs> all, all of what you just talked about in, in a town that's as large as Duluth, that's, that's a lot. Uh, and so we are so grateful for your service to the church, and, and we're just really excited to hear more about your story. Yeah, so Suzanne, can you, as we're getting going here, can you tell us a little bit about your faith as you were growing up? Yeah, um, I grew up Catholic, uh, but not knowing much about God. I would call on Him when I needed or wanted something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I was very, he was very abstract, um, and didn't, I didn't know Jesus as a person. Uh, what does stand out when I was young was... Um, my relationship or my attraction to Mary. Hmm. I um, I think part of that just I always have had a love for kids and for babies, <laughs> and sure. so I think the images of her always with baby Jesus, especially around Christmas, um, I just felt connected with, and so I would um, go to her or talk to her. Um, I also, after receiving a rosary, after making my first communion, I, I didn't know the prayers or the mysteries, but I would often pray the Hail Marys and Our Fathers um, as a child. But that was the extent of my prayer growing up. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I actually was just at this last week, I was at a uh, Theology of the Body training on Mary uh, in Philadelphia. And it was just glorious. One of the, the people involved at the Theology of the Body Institute is Jen Settle, who is a consecrated virgin. Uh, and she just uh-huh. had a beautiful, beautiful uh, analysis of this, this marital aspect of the vocation of consecrated virginity. And you, um, Suzanne, have the distinction of being the first consecrated virgin in the Diocese of Duluth. That's that's extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I've, and people have said that to me, and it's just, it seems, um, yeah, I guess not real or hasn't really soaked in. Yeah. Because um, it just was, you know, I just was following where, God is calling me or just asking what he wants and I feel like it's just something that happened. Sure. Mm -hmm. I I think also what I hear and sense uh, from visiting with you is that you've really learned a lot from your relationship with Mary because that Mm -hmm. humbleness and humility, um, it's, it's just always pointing towards God. 
uh, it, mm-hmm. you're, you're pointing towards your relationship with Christ. It's, it's not about being the first. It's just, it's what God called you to do. Mm-hmm. And you just happen to be the first, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so that's really beautiful, Suzanne. Right, with all our vocations, it's first that relationship and um, that love relationship with God. And so just following that um, and being open to where He leads and what He's asking. Mm-hmm. And that's what Mary did perfectly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Right, exactly. right. That's so beautiful. So, uh, you know, I think for most of us, um, we think, we kind of default to thinking, oh, there's either the priesthood or religious life or the married life. Um, and, and a lot of times the consecrated life gets overlooked or forgotten. So how did, how did that come up for you? Like, how, where, did this, where did it begin to kind of first bubble up to the surface or, or catch your attention? Um, so it first started with um, I felt a call to religious community life. Hmm. Um, and so I hadn't, because I, I hadn't heard of consecrated virginity lived in the world. Sure. Um, and so it was just after discerning that, uh, which I started discerning in 2009, and discerned that for a few years, um, and entered a religious order in 2012. So it wasn't until after spending a year in that order and coming back that I was I was aware of the vocation of consecrated virginity, but hadn't looked into it too much. Mm. Um, I think kind of just maybe a little bit skeptical of it just because I hadn't. Sure. You, didn't, you don't hear people talking about it or hear much about it. Um, and so then just that a friend mentioned it to me when I came back, and so I just started searching for it and looking um, for what it was. Um, and there's a U.S. Association of Consecrated Virgins, and so I found information on their website, and they have a yearly information conference. And so I, I went to that in, in 2014. Hmm. Can, can you tell us, Suzanne, can you tell our listening audience who, you know, very probable that they're not aware, can, can you share a little bit about what consecrated virginity is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's um, a form of consecrated life, like um, religious community life and hermits and um, those, but it's different in that you're living in the world. Um, you come with a resolve to remain a virgin, and then you're consecrated by your diocesan bishop. Um, it's a, it goes back to the early days of the church, mm-hmm. before um, they started forming community life. So a lot of the early virgin saints, um, virgin martyrs, were consecrated virgins, like St. Mm-hmm. Agnes and St. Louis Um You live independently in the world, um, providing for yourself. So you don't take vows of poverty, just your obedience. But um, you come with a resolve to remain a virgin, and then that's consecrated. And then you live in service to your diocese. Um, and that service looks different for each woman's talents and gifts. Um, but we're all called to seek intimacy with Jesus mm. and to pray Um mainly for clergy, and then for the people in the diocese. So what is the relationship then, uh, Suzanne, with, with, uh, between you and your bishop? Like, do you kind of just identify, okay, this, this, is, this is what the Lord's doing, and I just kind of go after that? Or do you have to, is there like an approval that you need to seek for, for the bishop to live in a certain place or to do a certain work? Or what is that all like? What's that relationship? Um, so I met with so. Our bishop is 
we've only had less than a year, and so mm-hmm. I've met a couple times with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to, again, look different for different women. Okay. Um, most likely I'd meet with him once a year, um, but if he needed things or if there's a reason to meet more often, we would. Um, I'm under the, his direction if mm-hmm. there's things he wants me to do. Um, the main thing is to pray for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for myself, because being the first one, my formation process, was with our previous bishop, Bishop Serba. Hmm. So I got to know him a little bit more because we would meet regularly. Um, so I'm not sure what it'll look like with Bishop Felton. Sure. So uh, what did uh, what did the formation process look like? I mean, are there certain things that, that you needed to learn about and study? Or what, what is the formation formational component for a consecrated virgin? Mm-hmm. And that also will vary diocese to diocese, depending okay. on how they have it set up. There's not a set one. Um, so again, for the Diocese of Duluth, with there not being one previously, mm-hmm. what mine looked like was a meeting with Bishop Serva Monthly and just going over the um, the U.S. Association of Complicated Virgins has an information packet mm-hmm. that they put out, which is really helpful. Just go through the right discernment, um, church documents. Um, and just a lot of information. And so Bishop Serb and I would meet and discuss that, hmm. kind of worked our way through that. Um, and then just talking about where I was at, um, what was going on. And so that was my formation process. Okay. And so that went from 2014 up until uh, this past fall, is that right? Um, that it was 2014 is when I first started discerning on my own. I first um, was in contact with Bishop Serb about it in 2015. Okay. And then um, at first he had me start meeting with a good friend of his who was a consecrated virgin in, for the Minneapolis St. Mm. Paul diocese. And so I met with her monthly. And then it wasn't until 2016 that Bishop Serb and I started meeting monthly. And that went up until his death in 2019. Mm-hmm. So then everything was kind of on pause at that point. Sure. Until we, until we received our, our new bishop. Yeah. So, so you've mentioned Bishop Serba, very holy man, and, and the, the lady in, in the Minneapolis area. Who, who were some of the people who walked with you in this discernment process uh, beyond these two holy people? Um, yeah, so after Bishop Serba and um, the consecrated virgin that I met with, um, I had a spiritual director during this time. I've had a few different ones over the years, so each of them were someone that walked with me and helped me to discern. Um, and then also there's two uh, priest friends of mine that um, both were seminarians when I first began discerning religious life, but both helped me um, through it. Um, one was really helpful when I came back from the convent, just helping me to get back on track and helping me through that process. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was just really encouraging and supportive of my vocation. He was the one who mentioned um, or put me in connection with Bishop Serba to start discerning Mm. consecrated virginity. Well, that is really cool. Uh, we're we're going to have to take a quick break here, but I really want to go into more of the, more of your story and what your experience was like on the the day of your consecration. Um, you know, hearing how the Lord has been at work uh, in in your life, you know, leading up to and and since then uh, is just fascinating because this is such a, a a largely unknown vocation in the church, uh, Suzanne. So so stay with us. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back right after this. 
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street in the new Diocesan Building or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. That's right, we're back with more Real Presence Live. We are talking with Suzanne Lott, the first consecrated virgin for the Diocese of Duluth. Uh, Suzanne, it's just been it's been beautiful hearing your story. Um, and I'm 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 so curious to know, like, what was it like on the day of your consecration? Because it is your wedding day. You're, you are being wedded to Jesus Christ. You are a sign for all of us of the reality that we're all ultimately made for, that we're going to live eternally in heaven. Like, like you know, you, you show us, um, you are a sign of what it is to be receptive, to be the bridegroom, to be uh, the, the beloved of God. So what was that like for you on, on your wedding day? Um, yeah, so it was. I was excited. I was very, very nervous. Um, thinking about all of what you just said. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I was thinking about all that that day and just thinking, like, is this really happening? Um, and not feeling like it could be real. Um, when you're consecrated, you have two attendants that are with you, that walk up with you. And um, so I had both of them with me that day, helping sort of last minute things, the things they're trying to figure out, but at the same time, just trying to stay recollected and careful um but getting nervous about everything sure so they it was just great to have them there to help me and take care of everything wow. um the consecration itself was just a blur it just like you mm. I, I read through the right so many times knew everything um but then just in that moment i 
didn't know what was happening next or what <laughs> I was doing. Um, I, I think Brad and I can kind of relate to yeah. our own wedding days with our spouses. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of a blur. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah there's um, seven steps to the rite of consecration. Mm. And the third one, the examination, that was one moment that I things kind of slowed down. Or I kind of knew what was going on. And uh, it was just when the bishop asks, the virgin three questions and you respond i am and i remember i had like my throat was dry because i was just being nervous and i could barely get the i am i was in response but that was just hearing those three questions and answering Mm. i think it just because i knew i was ready and i wanted this and had been waited so long um that that was kind of a special moment yeah Mm. so um you know you said you waited so long i'm curious like who sets the date of the consecration? Was that was that a date that you picked, or did the bishop pick that, or, or how did that all come about? Uh, it's kind of a combination of he asked me what I had thought of, you know, when I and I'd kind of always thought um, like a Friday would probably work best, a Friday or Sunday, just for as far as people traveling hmm. um, and priests being able to come. Sure. And so then it was just kind of a combination of what days. Um, He's pretty busy. His schedule fills sure, up pretty sure. fast. So it was just, these are, you know, he gave me a few Fridays that were available. Um, and I checked them out with people and that seemed to work the best. Okay. So yeah. were there any, um, any special graces? I know you'd mentioned that, like the, the asking the questions uh, on the, the day of your consecration, were there certain things, whether it be something that someone said to you or someone um, praying over you, like a priest praying over you afterwards or, or were there any things that you kind of really cling to or hold on to as like that? This was just so beautiful in so many ways. Um, I think so. Some things that were really this is more during the kind of the time leading up to it. Yeah. There is a few kind of special times where I'd asked for Bishop Serba's intercession or just help with things, mm. planning things, and I just got like direct answers really? back. Um, and it wasn't until like even just closer to my consecration after the date had been set that I realized like my, my last meeting with Bishop Serba had been October 29th in 2019. Wow. No um, and I didn't know that, you know, I just, we, I took the dates that were available yeah. for Bishop Belton. Um, so that was, I just like, I felt, you know, his presence yes. during it. Um, and then I think just the people's comment, because I think kind of what I mentioned before is just, as far as like being the first one, you know, I'm just doing what I think God is leading me to. I'm just in love with Him and want to be exposed to Him. Um, and so, not thinking about being the first or anything. But so, mm-hmm. so I think kind of what struck me was just some of the comments people have made afterwards of it touching them, or just you know, not because people didn't know about it, and then being able to hear about it and stuff. I never really thought of that or that being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, touching people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, we we talk about evangelization a lot because that is something that we're all called to do as Catholics. Mm-hmm. And in your particular vocation has just such an incredible way that you can evangelize so many people uh, by your example. I know I remember a priest saying, I... I probably wouldn't be married very long if they allowed marriage to the priesthood because I wouldn't be able to care for my wife, my kids, you know. And here you have this totality of Mm. your ministry that you can put in 
yourself to. Sure. Um, you know, and that's that's very special. We need we need people in the church to be able to to do this vocation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. Suzanne, what's what's um, what's it been like since your consecration? Have I mean, have there been any sort of uh, you know, when we enter into a vocation, our life changes. Um, for for many of us in, in the married life or the priesthood or something like that, you might move to a different place and, you know, you have different routines because you have to adapt to someone else's schedule or, or you now have responsibilities of going and celebrating Mass. Um, and yours has been a change of life as well. But perhaps um, the externals might not be as as um, drastic as it might be for some of the other vocations. What's it been like for you um, since since your consecration? Yeah, so the um, like you said, the externals haven't changed much. Other unlike you know maybe other vocations that would change a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, one friend who had told me one thing that she would tell people when they would ask, "So what? It, what is it like now? Or what? What are you going to do now?" And she would say, "Well, it's kind of like when you get married. Then the next day, well, you're married, and you just you do." that day or whatever sure, sure, yeah. kind of happened that day. And so, I mean, for the most part, you know, I woke up the next day and, you know, you go to work or whatever you're going to do. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, like, I, I feel like I'm still like, in the honeymoon mm. stage of it where I've just been really happy and just, yeah, um, yeah taking it, still taking it all in. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, focusing more on, okay, what will my life look like now? Um, in what ways will I serve? Um, in what ways will I be called to serve, and then prayer life. Uh, I mean, I had my prayer life before, mm-hmm. um, but looking at it a little bit more, I'd like to, um, working with my spirit director to kind of have just more of a schedule mm-hmm. in my prayer. Mm-hmm. Which is, is just so important. I, I just, um, I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story with our listening audience, because I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that, you know, they're, they're still discerning. They're still, you know, wondering where they're going to go, whether it's religious life or the vocation of marriage. And of course, it's God who really decides that. And so it's important that prayer life that you're asking God, God, what do you want me to do? And and with that relationship you had with Mary, uh, she kept pointing you towards that life with her son mm-hmm. um, in a very deep, you know, meaningful way. So, um, thank you so much for sharing um, your journey. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, just like, and just to say to women who are discerning or still aren't sure if it's married life or consecrated virginity, um, I would just like to just to say to them to just be patient and keep praying. Mm. I thought, like, I thought I'd be consecrated years ago, <laughs> yeah. and that the formation process has ended up taking longer than I, or just the whole discernment process. Um, and when I entered the convent in 2012, I thought that was that was going to be the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So just to keep, um, you know, to remember that God is still working in us when it might seem like He's not or things aren't moving the way we want to, but um, to just, yeah, keep praying and be honest with yourself and how you feel and present to Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That has to be that has to be really remarkable in, in the sense of, like like you shared, you know, you went to the, the convent thinking, okay, this is my vocation, and then kind of have that, that, that unrest that, you know, I, obviously I don't know your experience there, but I presume that, mm-hmm. you know, having discerned a way, that's like, oh gosh, I thought that was it. And now I've come mm-hmm. almost back at square one. And, and 
now having, having major consecration, it's like I have my marching orders for the rest of my life. Like I, I know mm-hmm. where I, I fit. I know what my, my life's mission is. There's something really beautiful about that, right? Yes, ex- yes, exactly. Um, that was a hard, it was a really challenging time when I came back from the convent and just it felt like I had broken up with Jesus and mm-hmm. then just, what does this mean? Because this is what I thought it was going to be. And so definitely now just to be settled. Like I just wanted to be settled in my vocation. So now just just know um, this is my vocation. This is, I'm exposed to Jesus forever. This <laughs> is not yeah. just my vocation for the rest of my life, but for eternity. Um, it's just very, yes, brings a lot of peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Suzanne, when you say that, so many of us, regardless of what vocation uh, God has chosen for us, we have those moments in our life where you know you think you have it all figured yeah. out, right? And mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's mm-hmm. this twist or turn. Yeah. And sometimes in making that change, that that choice in your life, you do feel like you're quitting on God. Or sometimes and, it feels mm-hmm. like He quit on us yeah. because, like, gosh, yeah. you, Lord, I thought you were leading me here, Lord. And all of a sudden, this isn't working out. Right. Right? But, yeah. but how beautiful that prayer life that you have, that we should all continue to, to work and nurture. I mean, I, for one, am, am so in need of growing deeper in my prayer life. And yet, when we have Him, we know we're never alone. Mm-hmm. We know that He's going to guide us and open up doors to us that we never, ever thought possible in our lives. And uh, I know I've been there, and, and it's just phenomenal. And you look back and you go, wow, and I wanted to stay there? God had mm-hmm. so much more mm-hmm. you know, planned for mm-hmm. me in this other door that opened. And, it, and it's just such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can hear from your, your kind of giggles there that, that there's something there that resonates with you, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely, all of that. Um, but yeah, it just, um, yeah, when you go through hard times and stuff, and then you feel like, oh, where are you, God, and stuff? But yeah. he's always there, and he's got greater things planned. And- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. Well, sister, uh, I'm sorry, Suzanne, uh, um, it's just... Um, it's such a beautiful thing. She's our thing. sister in Christ. True, exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, but it, it is a beautiful thing for you to, to be able to share um, your story, to share your vocation with us, and and again, to, be, to receive that sign that you are for us, of what we're made for eternally. So thank you for responding to God's call. Thank you. Yeah, we're just so grateful. Uh, We have to take a quick, quick break, though. But up next, we will be visiting with the new bishop in the Diocese of Crookston on Real Presence Live and learn more about the symbolism behind his coat of arms. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 